Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome, everyone. This is View from the Raptors. Let's get a crack it. Presented by Flex Car. Let's go. Season four. Do you remember discussions? Let's talk a little basketball here. Yes. Who told you? Brother, brother, brother. He's going to make the right play. I like winning. Are you rubbing that in? Yeah, I am. <laughs> it was a damn parade around there. It's a brotherhood. That's how you're going to be able to be successful. You know, there's no culture like the Boston Celtics culture. What's up, everyone? This is Mark D'Amico. I just want to say thank you for giving us a listen or a watch. And please do not forget to rate, subscribe, or review us. We appreciate you giving us a listen. And here's the next episode of View from the Raptors, behind the scenes with the Boston Celtics, presented by FlexCar. What is up, everybody? Mark D'Amico here. It is hard to believe that season four of View from the Raptors is coming to a close. We do have one more episode coming out next week, and we might have a bonus episode coming out a little bit later, closer to Uh, the NBA playoffs. But for now, as we do every year, we want to give you guys our greatest hits. This is our greatest hits album of season four. And we're going to start out with our very first episode of the season. This was recorded back in late November with newcomer and Celtic starter, all defensive performer, Drew Holiday. And Drew, we talked about a lot. We talked about him coming to the Celtics, him moving to Boston, his time in Milwaukee. But the key segment that we took out of this in the funnest part of the entire conversation was when he talked about his family. Why? Because he's got two brothers who play in the NBA. He's got his wife, who is a two-time gold medalist for the U.S. women's national team in soccer. It's in his blood, athleticism and competitiveness. And that's what he talked about in this conversation, particularly with his wife. Okay, these two go at it. They can't even play board games together and competitive nature with his kids. And he talks a lot about that. And then after that, he actually gets into the very first matchup with his former team, the team he won an NBA championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. And during that game, drawing the assignment of defending his good friend, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I do want to dive deeper into you mentioned your wife, Lauren, (laughs) (laughs) soccer superstar. Um, What is it like? I mean, she's got what? Two gold medals. Two gold medals. A Who, World are you, Cup are gold. you rubbing that in? Who's yeah? Two to I one. Am. Who who's the most athletic person <laughs> in your family? Um, is she? I've always heard pound for pound it was my wife. Um, what do you mean her? House, from who? From her? Nah, from because you know we trained together. Um, we had some of the same trainers. We pretty much do everything together. So that's awesome. Uh, a lot of it would be like pound for pound her. I. Probably agree. Um, <laughs> That's the smart He's, decision. Say, right, 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 right. Yeah. No, nah, yeah, we, um, especially like in the beginning for us, I mean, we couldn't play Uno. We couldn't play Phase 10. We had to be on the same team when we, when we did things. But even times like we played Spades and we're on the same team. And let's say like I'm having a great, great, I mean, a great game. And my wife is the one who's actually messing up. But the one thing I do wrong, she's on me. <laughs> And I'm like, I've this been so like nice. Right, I've been so nice to you because, like, you've also been messing up way more than I have. But 
you want to like get after me after one thing but that's <laughs> honestly that's her that's her especially when it comes to me Abby, is that not that the, sounds fun? Is that Absolutely, that is, right there? yeah, that's her right. Yeah, but yeah, she's a she's a beast. She's I mean, and those are just like the big things. She was MVP of the uh, NWSL. She won two championships in the NWSL. Um, she was Player of the Year, I think, in 2011. Um, no, she's amazing. She went to the Final Four all four years in college. She's that's crazy. in the Hall of Fame for uh, the national team and at UCLA. So, like, I'm I'm playing a lot of catch-up, but I've been there for quite a bit of it. And I think yeah. that's been really cool to experience and, like, like really just be a fan of hers and, and just kind of be all of her. So, oh, it's cool. That makes me smile. Have you seen that play out in your kids at all yet? Because my, do- what, my oldest daughter, yes, <laughs> is not competitive at all, and it drives me crazy. My daughter is competitive. So I was going to say, the reading your face, I think it's like overdrive proudly. Yeah, I think my daughter is a lot. My daughter is a mix of me and my wife, but a lot of my wife. Where She does not like losing. She can kind of rub it in your face, too. My wife's mm. a bad winner and a bad loser. <laughs> um, she'll tell you. And then uh, my son is the same. My son is the same. He's a competitor, too, where they'll be running I don't know, from here to the door, and JT would be like, JT's your daughter. JT's my daughter. Hendry's my son. He'd be like, I win. He should be like, no, I won. And it's like, my daughter's seven. And Hendrix is three. Like, she she's smoking them. So like, no, <laughs> yeah. I win. And then they go back and forth. He starts to cry. And I'm yeah. like, all right, bro, you lost. But like, all right, let's just say we both won. We both won. <laughs> but after a while, I'm like, no, dude, you lost. Like, you're going to have to learn to you lose sometimes. You have to work sometimes. harder. Yeah. But, yeah. but at some point, he's going to cross to the it, other it side. Is. He's so going to start let, let her have her, yeah, let her have her, her time now. I mean, you never know. My sister was a beast, too. So <laughs> we, uh, we got into it a lot. Did you but, know you were coming into a place with so many Hendrixes? I did not. I thought that. I mean, up until here, I'd I'd never met a Hendrix under. Really? I mean, what under twenty? Yeah. So to be twenty five. Just to clarify, your son is Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Derek White, his mm-hmm. eldest son, is Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Phil Pressy, the new assistant coach, has mm-hmm. a son named Hendrix. And then and we just lost one. Rob, we just yeah. lost one. Yeah, Rob Williams yeah. had a son named Hendrix. I just want to say my son is the oldest. <laughs> For the <laughs> record, yeah. you were first. I was yeah. I, I, I was first. Uh, not that I'm competitive at all, but. <laughs> But no, nah, I think Hendrix is a cool name. Yeah, um, where'd it come from for you guys? Uh, so we were actually gonna name him something else. There was Are, this little. Can you reveal it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this little boy. Um, just randomly, I think we we're in Kansas City where my wife was playing soccer, and there's this little boy. Uh, his name was Riot, and I'm like, and he just—I mean, I loved him. He was fun to play with. <laughs> we were playing outside. We we're playing in the pool. We we're doing everything. I'm like when I have a son, I'm gonna name. Now I'm gonna yeah. name him Riot. So in the bubble, um, I think my wife might have been like six months pregnant or whatever when when I went to the, I know, crazy stuff happens when my wife is pregnant. So that's that's the last time she was pregnant. She's going to be pregnant. Uh, So uh, I'm like, yeah, right. It was pretty much set. And my wife's like, what about Hendrix? And I was like, dang, that's a cool name. (laughs) That's a cool name. So then we ended up not deciding yet. And we went to, uh, after Hendrix was born, the nurse came in. And she's like, all right, you need to know a name. My wife was like, what name do you like better? She was like, Hendrix. I was like, all right. Love it. 
I got. I haven't told you this. So I just had my gender reveal the other day on oh, Thanksgiving uh, with my yeah. wife. But prior to that, thank you. We didn't know obviously if it was going to be a boy or a mm-hmm. girl. And she just randomly threw out. She was like, "What about if it was a boy, Hendrix?" And I was like, "No, like it can't happen." Oh, it's a great name. It's a great name. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like you know, number four on the is team. Is it with the is it with the X or is it with the CK? I think it would have been with an X. With the X, like Jimmy. Yeah. Um, is yours with a CK? We don't have to worry no, about that. Okay. So that. And is we it confusing with JT and JT, your daughter and JT? Now that you hear JT <laughs> so much around. No, never that. Uh, I think my daughter. I call her. She has a. I have a million names for her. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my son has JT shoes, and it says JT on the shoe. So, for the longest time, matter of fact, they came to the game, the Milwaukee game, had the shoes on, yeah. and saw J, JT or whatever. And my son's like, no, these are my, these are my sister's shoes. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, yeah so those are, do you sorry, let her, sorry, JT. Yeah, do you let her have it? Uh, Yeah. He didn't yeah. argue. No, I didn't. I didn't. He's argue. a dad. I didn't. I didn't argue. No, not not with her. And she's a lot like her mama. So arguing with her is <laughs> it's a lose lose situation. Not the best use of your time yeah. or yeah, energy. That, right, right. She's gonna yeah. Let's dive yeah. into that game because I, I want to ask you about that experience of you, you win a title with Milwaukee a couple of years ago. Now all of a sudden you're on. I mean borderline the arch rival during nah, your time there was milwaukee? definitely i mean even before i came yeah before i came i think uh the celtics beat milwaukee some crazy series seven game right, series right, yeah right. i mean was it like there was some nuts year before stuff the that was bubble. going on yeah yeah i remember yeah. watching that so uh so yeah there definitely was this beef there was a lot did of did you beef. feel it um when i first yeah, yeah for sure i mean it was two top dogs in the east yeah like it like the two top teams every year. And they year were you, both like rising, yeah. right? Yeah, like they were both yeah. trying to get there. Yeah, and it was um Unfortunately, you got there instead of us, but <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you guys got there the year after us. Yeah. Just Yeah. Just couldn't finish it, but um Hopefully we get there again. Yes. Let's hopefully go. We get That's there what again. We want. But it was it was definitely a fun rivalry. I remember going up against JB and I'm like, "Man, this dude's good." Cuz he was kind of like my my matchup. Um Strong player, super athletic, um, and every time, like one of the first plays of the games, he would just hit me, like <laughs> hit me in the chest, or hit me somewhere, and I'm like, "Are you good?" To send a message, right, yeah. bro? Like, are you are you straight? <laughs> every game, every game, he would do it, and I'm like, I like that because like a lot of guys can tend to back down when I'm yep. guarding them. And JB is just not that type of person. To, Did you to guys talk down, about so. that when you got here? I was nah, saying, he nah, did nah, that nah, to nah. the first practice, too, nah. didn't he? One yeah, of those yeah. first two practices? Yeah, so it, I mean, it's that competitive nature that I feel that makes everyone better, but especially the, the person you're going up against um, makes them better and even more connected. Because at this point, I'm like, if you're going to do this against me, I know you're doing it against mm-hmm. them. Yep. You know? But uh, nah, I don't think I've ever talked to him about that. You got to bring that up. I, pro- I probably should. Uh, what was that game like, though? I mean, now you're on the flip side. Mm-hmm. You're with the Celtics. You're trying to take down the guys that you won the championship <coughs> with. What, uh, what was that like the first time getting out there? Uh, we're recording this in late late November, right. uh, so this was recent. But right. what was that like? Nah, it was um, it was fun, and we got the win. Yeah. Uh, you tried to downplay it, though. No, nah, I think everybody just turned like hypes it up. I think everybody hypes it up. Uh, literally for me. Do you me, not feel it as much job. as we feel it? I, I, th- I think so. Yeah. I think, you know, I think, that's I think that's part of the so job. strange it, to it me. Is. I really think y'all feel it more than I do. Like, really? I am super close to them. And so just seeing them makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Your but, friends. That was clear. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we you were in the locker super, room before yeah, yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. We were and, super yeah. close. And that's enough. But in practice, I still wanted to beat them. Mm-hmm. 
any type of game that we played, I still wanted to win. When we played wiffle ball or when we played like pickleball, like I still wanted to beat them. You sound so like, like your daughter right now. Look, I sound like my, <laughs> my like my household. <laughs> so like going up against them, it was fun to see them and it was fun to do all that. But like when it comes to the court, I'm trying to win. So I also get excited about playing against or even like guarding them, the guys that like I know their game, mm-hmm. like front and back, better yeah. than anyone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like. I feel like not that I have the advantage, but I have the advantage. Yeah. Like I, I was literally in a locker room with y'all not that long ago. Right. So I, I think, um, and again, maybe I'm just different in that way. I know a, a lot of other people would have been like revenge game and all that. Like, yeah, I wanted to beat them, and also wanted to beat them because they're a top team in the mm-hmm. East. But like, yeah, I wanted to beat them because that's your natural. Instinct. It's my natural instinct, and because they're my friends. I like beating my friends. I have two brothers in the league, and a wife. You love to beat, and them. I love to beat them. Yeah. It, 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 I feel like that's what makes me happy. So, um, but yeah, the hype around it for me is just too much. That makes me uncomfortable because it's like maybe they want me to be angry about it or something like that. And it's like, no, nah, I haven't. I was never angry about that's the trade. I've been, yeah, yeah, I've been traded before. I've been, I've been traded without knowing before. Mm-hmm. Um, but beating them and kind of setting the tone and like letting them know, like, yeah, we here. I, I I like that. So, and defending Giannis, like, did yeah. did, did you request this or did yeah, Joe I'm assign okay. this? Uh, you know, I don't remember. But I think it was kind of like when they told me I was, I was like, fucking right. Excuse yeah. me. That's like, all right. Yeah. We're like, good. Right. We're on YouTube. We can edits. say whatever yeah, we want. We yeah. I was like, right, as I, as I should be. But um. But again, I, it's not like the first time I've guarded Giannis. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's not like a. But I think kind of at this level, we're like, like that's like my that's my man's. It's uh, it just makes it more fun. I feel like it's because I, I know he's gonna come at me the same mm-hmm. way. Like I know he's gonna compete against me the same way. So I like he also knows that about me. So it's it's I don't know. That's what makes this league fun is like the talent, the brotherhood, um, and really just going out and competing like that. So. If you thought Drew Holiday was the only Celtic starter we got on the podcast this season, you are very wrong. We got three more starters on the pod, and the two that we're going to reference right now are Jalen Brown and Kristaps Porzingis, cookies and cream as we've come to know them. They came on the pod just last week for episode 10 of the season, and it was only 18 minutes long, but those 18 minutes were packed with laughs, with smiles, with jokes, with inside stories about these guys riding in the car together to games and practices, because as you know, they do live in the same building. And that's the part of the conversation that we're going to look at right here. Uh, learn about Chris Hesperzingas driving a 1999 Mercedes-Benz that sometimes doesn't start, that sometimes runs out of gas on the side of the road at 4 a.m. after the team got back from a late flight. Uh, listen, you've got to tune into this part and just see the chemistry that these guys have off the court and how much they love each other's personality. How did you guys become such fast friends? I don't know. I think it was natural. Um, we sat together on the plane, so obviously we started talking. Um, what's, cra- what's crazy about that, KP comes and like sits in my seat. I've been sitting in the same seat on the plane for like the last oh. four years. Right? Yes. No, I trust me. I understand team plane and you know the dynamics. You yes. got your space, right? The same spot. It's your spot. The last four years, KP comes in, you know, walking in. First trip, brother, 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 <laughs> <laughs> brother, brother, brother. That's my seat. I'm like, you know, because it's KP. I allowed him to do it though. I allowed wow. him. He said that to you. Wait, he seat. told you that was. He his seat. told me that that wow. was. Wow. He asked me if I could politely sit to the next one. Wow. He, 
Wow. He felt more comfortable sitting close to the window or something like that. <laughs> no, at is first, this, is this first you were like, whoever gets here sits in that seat first. That's what I said That's first. That's what you said. Right, after, that, after that, you were like, But then right. I just let you have it. Yeah, yeah, right. right. You know, That's it's very a, kind of you. It's a Good big teammate. picture, you know what I mean? I mean <laughs> You're thinking long term. KP is important to what we're doing over here, so I want him to feel comfortable. So if you wanted my seat on the plane, hey, brother, it's yours. But also, Kristaps, <laughs> yeah, why is that seat so important to you that you are you walk in and you're like, yo, that's mine. <laughs> you're in a new spot on a new team. Claiming your space. Yeah. That was the most important thing for me coming to this team. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's true, I though. I to get that seat. No Where you sit on the plane is like important, though, for like the vibe of like everything. That is true. A lot of people will attest to that. People will show up early. Like, what, did you start showing up early to get the window seat? No, 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 no. I couldn't show up early if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> that's just you. But no, nah, KP was there. He's like, that's the seat he wanted. That made him feel the most comfortable. It's yours. So far, it's working out. Who offered to drive for the first time? Oh, man, we have stories. Let's go. That's why <laughs> we're that's here. That's why we're here. Give us the cookies and no, cream here, stories, we're... please. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. No, we're going to keep that one. Hey. This was on my list of what I had to ask is a story from one of those rides. You don't have to tell the one that you're saying right now you don't want to tell, but there's got to be something you can give us, right? No, no. We, uh, and we, I mean, we live in the same building, so it makes a lot of sense to just carpool, you know, at times, you know what I mean? Um, or, you know, to ride back from a late game, you get in late, you know what I mean? Usually I'll have either a car service, but if you want to save a couple of dollars, just ride with KP. I thought that was a great idea. <laughs> oh, okay. The, I for see. The, for the most part, that is a, you know, smart thinking, right, okay. everybody? Yeah. You know, until you realize. It's efficient that way. You know, KP drives a, a 1986 BMW. BMW, stop. This is uh, Mercedes. Mercedes, stop. Not BMW. But what's the this year? Big, that was an difference. insult. What is the... But is it like Mercedes. a classic car or is it Classic. Just... But okay. it sounds it's... good until one day it just doesn't cut on. Like... <laughs> right. Remember the first time well, I rode with Kate? Well, that's what I mean, like, creature comfort. This really you happened? Yes. So, like, the what's... car did not but, turn on. But this is, this, is, this is where it's my fault. I don't even blame. I'm, I'm going to fix this story. But <laughs> go ahead. There's always two sides. This is where it's my fault because, like, a couple games that before this day that we were going to discuss, like, I, I ride with KP. And, like, I remember getting in the car, and I'm like, it's cold outside. I'm asked, like, is the car, is it going to start? <laughs> so it gives me that look, like, yeah. Like, it's going to start, but it's like an unsure, yeah. <laughs> and, like, he turns the car. He puts the key in, the, and he turns it. And it comes on, and he's like, "Yes." He's like, See? Like, I got this." He really wasn't no, sure. No, no, so, no, no, like, no. That, so you're that, saying you jinxed it? So he wasn't sure that day. That's the thing. Like, I don't want to ride with somebody if you're not going to be sure <laughs> if it's going to cut had on. Experience okay. of it That's not fair. turning on is what he we're wasn't saying confident here. in it. <laughs> no, no, no. The thing is, like, it's a 1999 car, but it's so quiet and it just runs so smooth. I couldn't tell if it was on or off. I was like, is this car on? And he was like, brother, what's happening? I'm like, no, it's on. Hold on. And so I was a little confused, you know, because it runs so smooth, you know? So what happened was the car is perfectly fine. The only thing that's a little bit like janky is like the, when the, uh, you can see the gasoline, right? You looks mm -hmm. like it's like yeah. half yeah. tank, for example. And all of a sudden it goes down like super quick. I've had that happen with so, my speedometer in a car before. This where is, it just like, let's go. This is what happened. And I got in down. the car and I knew from the last time I rode it, it was kind of on the low side. But now it looked like fine. So we're going home. Oh, my God. Tell and you can you imagine Are what happened. Serious? And it was like the latest we've gotten back from a trip like this season. No. It was like 5 a.m. or something, 4 a.m. 
and of course you get stuck in the coldest weather You're on the road. Kidding. You ran out of gas. Was that the one on the after we sat on the plane for like five hours too? I think so. I think That's, so. Yeah. I think so. That's and then you was. ran out of gas. That oh, was that well. night. Yeah. So it was a good adventure. Though. Who do you What'd call you do? when you yeah, run out? Of, it was NBA cold. players on the side the of the road. Who do you call when you run out of gas at five in the morning? We called Kara. Kara Kina. Kara. Oh my God! You know she. Thank God for Kara. She, she, you know. There's nothing a lot that she could do, but she was at least there on the phone to support. Emotional <laughs> support <laughs> while you waited for AAA. While we waited for, oh uh, we just, I guess we just left it there. But you know, waited this is where I take the responsibility because one, the trip before, I seen the unsurety, and I still put myself in that position. No, right. So you're only blaming yourself. <laughs> so I have to blame me. Wait, I then that means you would have left Christoph out there all by himself. That's if you true. You were there. You know, this what? this made this made the connection even yeah. stronger. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> That's when cookies and cream really got to the next level. True. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It kind of makes sense why those guys get along so well on the court now, huh? Yeah, they got quite the relationship off the court. Now, this next guy that we're going to look at in the podcast season is Isaiah Thomas. I've been trying to get him on the podcast since we launched three years ago. We finally got him, and you know we had to talk about the most epic performance of his entire career. 53 points in Game 2 of the 2017 Eastern Conference Semifinals. And this was not only epic because he put up 53, but he did it on his sister's birthday, who just passed away about three weeks before this game. So a lot of emotion was in this episode, but this particular part of the conversation was about how he got his tooth knocked out in game one of that series and then came back just a couple days later after 13 hours of oral surgery and put up 53 on the visiting Washington Wizards. I got to go to the dentist directly after that end. So little do people know, I stood six hours after that thing in the thing. Oh that, that. So they were wiring my thing shut, trying to figure out if they're going to do, uh, uh, um, trying to figure out what they're going to do with my teeth. So then the next day, I go, they they they, they give me all the meds, they numb me up, I go home. I can't even really open my jaw. My left side of my mouth is like swollen. The next day, I got to go in for seven hours. So, next day. So, 13 total. 13 hours of dental surgery between game one and two. So, they put a temporary in my mouth. Temporary, they try to figure out how the beat you off, know, how my teeth look. They put a temporary in there. I play game two with a temporary. And then I, I don't want to go past that. So, like, you might want to talk about game two, but in between games one and two, I was 13 hours in the dental chair. And from that day on, like I'm scarred from the dentist. <laughs> I was just going to say, you never want to go back to the dentist. Even when I go, like it could be the most simple thing. I'm like, can I go to sleep? Can you put me to sleep? Because I'm just, I'm scarred from, like I wasn't put to sleep those 13 hours. It was just. You were awake for the whole thing. Trying to be young and try to fight through it. And that's the only thing I could possibly do. And that was probably the one of the craziest moments of my life. Like having to deal with that on top of trying to beat an actual NBA team in the playoff front of the world. Like 
dealing with, you know, my sister's passing, like it was so much going on. On top of it, you know, my hip. Like I was yeah, I was fighting through that. So it was just so much going on with me having to, you know, just try to figure it out on the some of the pictures from that game, like I hope you've got them printed and hung up in your house when you're smiling and you got that giant gap between your teeth. I mean, it's priceless. My look, my kids talk about like even my daughter. You know, she wasn't there at that yeah. moment. She she laughs about it all the time. Like she laughs that my teeth. You know, if you want my teeth are fake, like all of that. Like she thinks it's a joke. So it's it's all fun and games. Yeah. Uh, it's all fun and games, especially after what you did in the next game. So a couple days later, you go into game two, and it's even more emotional because it is your sister's birthday that day. Um, And all you did was walk out on the court and legitimately, I said this at the start of the episode, that was the most emotional, magical performance that I have ever witnessed with my own eyes in person in the NBA. And I've seen a lot of basketball. That's at the top. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how it came to happen. And that's what I want to ask you. Like, how did you go through what you had gone through the previous couple weeks, then 13 hours of dental surgery in the last couple days to come out and put up 53 points to take down the Wizards that night? How did it happen? I. I, I don't know how I had like it was just one of those games where like it felt like I was really in the gym by myself. It felt like I was working on moves by myself. It felt like I couldn't hear anything. Like I wasn't hearing the crowd. I wasn't hearing anything that was going on. I was just so locked in. Not necessarily at a moment of the game. It was like this is a big day for my family as well. Like you know, it's my sister's birthday. Um. She just passed a few weeks ago. So it was very difficult for me, but it was bigger than that actual game for me and my family. So I was just in a zone. Like, that's a zone I've never been in. I, I tell people, my friends, like, if you ever seen the movie The Sixth Man, like with the with the, with the, with the with Marlon Wayans, I yep. think it, that's what it felt like. It felt like somebody was there with me. It felt like my, when I got in the zone later in the game, it felt like, I was at the YMCA with my sister like I was when I was a kid. You know what I said that it looked like? And, you know, take this as you may, but it looked like angels in the outfit. It was like you were being carried, floating in the air, doing, like I said, like something that my brain could not understand how you were doing this. But that's what it looked like to me. It was like you were just floating out there. Didn't matter who was in front of you. It was going to happen. It didn't matter. Like, like that was a perfect description of it. Like, Angels in the outfield. It felt like, like I was there by myself, but somebody was helping me. Like, it was, it was, it was the moments I can't even describe. Like, I've scored 50 in the NBA a few times. I scored 50, like, in my life a lot of times. Nothing, like, was like that. Like, every shot, every time I touched the ball, it didn't matter who was on me. Like, they were guarding me two or three guys at moments of the game. I wasn't even seeing anything. Like, every moment, it just, it like, when I look back at it, every moment, it felt like got bigger and bigger every possession. And when I was doing it, it was like I was there by myself. Like, I, I didn't see the fans going crazy. I didn't see me, my teammates going crazy on the bench. Like, I didn't see none of that. I was just 
doing moves I always did and just getting to my stuff. And it was like, it was obviously the best moment of my career because I could picture my sister like smiling like, Dad, you're just doing what you usually do. And then like my parents, I could, I could, I could see my dad probably, even though he was going through the worst time of his life, I know he was probably smiling at the TV like, damn, you know, my son is, is doing his thing on her birthday. So, like, I didn't have no emotion in that game. If you see every basket, like, I didn't even smile. Like, I, I was just, my mouth was super big. Like, I was just running back. I was just running back every time because, like, my, like I told you before, my body was there, my mind was sewn up. So, like, anything that was happening was just, I felt like it was just supposed to happen like it was. All right. I told you that we got four of the five starters on the Celtics, and here comes the fourth one. Derek White came on the pod this season with his dad, who has become famous on Celtics Twitter, Celtics X, whatever you want to call it. Richard White, he is Ramblin' Rec 34, so if you want to catch some of his commentary, feel free to follow him on X. But this conversation was all about the father-son relationship and how his dad has followed him and helped him raise him into the player that he is today, a true team player and the perfect complement to Boston Stars on this team. And this part of the conversation is about how Richard actually raised Derek into the player that he is today, the perfect complement to Boston Stars. Uh, Derek talks about how Richard helped to raise him on the court, helped to raise him off the court, the memories that they shared together throughout. And there's one story in particular that Derek tells in this segment about one day when his dad was really struggling to get up and down the court, but his dad had to be on the court. That was the only way that Derek could actually play in that game. So take a listen. He's talking about how you're kind of like willing to take on any role. And earlier you mentioned that he's kind of the person who instilled the, the winning mindset in you. How did he impact like your, the way that you approach the game from a young age until now? Um, I mean, I think uh, we always watch games together um, growing up as a kid. Uh, so just like hearing what Nuggets he was games. saying. Yeah, yeah, mostly Nuggets games. Um, so just hearing what he was saying. Um, and then like anytime I ever wanted to go shoot or something, like he was always down to, to rebound for me or whatever need to be. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but... Uh, we were playing at lifetime and like he was kind of gipping up and down the court, but like just to see like how much he wanted to be there for me and um, to play with me, like it meant a lot to me and to, like kind of pushed me to, to keep going and keep working hard. Like my dad is he's struggling, but he is still, he still wants to be there for me and he's still doing things he's doing to, to be there for me. So like, why can't I work hard? Why can't I do more? Um, and so like anytime I need anything, I don't know if he, he missed a game in college. Like, he was always there supporting me, him and my mom. And, um, I mean, them two has just really been supporting me through it all. So, um, it's still that hard work and then just play the right way, be a good person. You remember that day when you were gimping up and down the court? Oh, but, yeah. Well, yeah, because you're like, which day? Yeah, I remember. Because basically, Lifetime had a rule where you had to be a certain age. But then they wouldn't let you play on the court unless your your dad also played. Okay. So so at first I was there because I had to and then and then they were like, "Oh, we we don't really need your dad anymore." <laughs> so Derek Derek's out, fine Derek, by himself. Derek, Derek yeah. was fine by himself. So, you know, it was just to get him out there, you know. I could I could go around, I could set screens and, you know, get a, get a rebound and then pass the ball to him. So that that's how it worked. 
It had to be tough for you, you know, watching him in high school, watching him in college. He's right down the road, and, and for you, he's able to support you at those games. When you get into the league, what's the situation there of, of you and your wife not necessarily being able to be at every game like you were for your whole lives? And then here in Boston, it's the same thing. Obviously, you're out here now, which is awesome. You, you're here for a week or so to be able to catch this homestand, but it had to have been tough for you to that adjustment of not seeing him play in person every game yeah well, but you know league pass comes in yeah comes in handy so that, that mark that's don't underestimate thing. the role of the announcers and the play-by-play people <laughs> in the nba delivering the product <laughs> yeah. in a way that makes everybody happy you, know, you I, listen to the, the celtics radio right TV, whatever it is i always look for that. i always look, look look for those those are the those are the calls like after the game when yeah, they have yeah. highlights and stuff i i want i want the radio thing because you know sean and cedric i mean that's that was that was it i mean we we would hear those when we were like with the Spurs or whatever, and the excitement and stuff that Sean and Sean and said bring to the the broadcasts are great. And then just to hear you know him make a shot or whatever, and then to hear them, that's you know that's you know you can't you can't put a price on that. So yeah, after games, I I look for the highlights just to hear hear the audio. And league pass got you through when when you weren't able to be at the games for yeah. Well, actually throughout his whole career at this point, right? Yeah, Any yeah. of those games? Yeah. We usually plan some things based on, on schedule. So, so like, if in Boston, if they have, like, a homestand, it, it fits. And then this one kind of really fit because it had the Spurs and the Nuggets. <laughs> and uh, and and uh, so, that, you know, those are things. So, or back-to-back. Like, last year we went to, to Charlotte. So, so it's like, ugh. so I don't know if we'd be traveling much more because, I mean, in Charlotte, when – we finally got into the the arena at Charlotte, and that's when he ran into Marcus Smart. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, we did all this to get here, and then he's out. Oh, he's probably not going to play the next game." And, but he he ended up. At least playing. he got the family time. Yeah, so yeah, I played. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you you usually do. Mark, you know what I thought when I found out Flexcar was going to be our new sponsor? No, what'd you think? I don't know. I don't know what I thought. Neither did I. But then I went and checked it out. And? And it's basically a car subscription, and you choose the mileage package that fits you best, and that's it. Okay, yeah, cool. It, it's, it's honestly pretty cool. And it includes roadside assistance 24-7, car insurance, and maintenance. It's all included. In one bill? All in one bill. The only thing that is not included is the gas you put in the tank. And on top of that, it's cheaper. It's like 10 to 20% cheaper than buying or leasing a car. And what are you doing right now? I'm finding my next car. All right. Well, if you're doing that, make sure you use the code RAFTERS mm. and you'll get 100 free miles when you sign up. What's funny is that your social media star began to rise for the famous play that all of us play-by-play guys couldn't call yes. when it happened. <laughs> yes. And here's something you don't know. The next night before Game 7, Kevin Harlan, Dave Passion, and I had dinner here in the North End, and my poor wife had to listen to the three play-by-play guys commiserate about the fact that we couldn't call the play because nobody had any idea what had happened. Where were you for Game 6, and what inspired you to send the tweet that you sent? Oh, the, that, the oh, oh my God. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, like, my that's my boy. <laughs> that's my boy. So, I mean, we were, I was sitting on the couch, and and we were watching the game, and it was like, oh, no, I can't believe that, you know, Jimmy Butler made three free throws. It's like, you make two overtime, we take a chance or whatever. But he makes three. And it was like, oh, boy. So we were sitting on the couch, and we just watched the whole play unfold. And, and Colleen's going, oh, what's going to happen? Derek's going to inbound because they, they put your your best passer is going to inbound. So 
he's going to inbound. And this has happened numerous times or whatever, even in San Antonio, because he would inbound it to DeMar DeRozan and then he would slide off and uh, kept going, well, maybe this time the pass will come back because he spotted up to, mm-hmm. to shoot the three, which is nerve wracking as a parent because then that's, you know, that's, it's either going to go in or it's not. But then when he didn't get the pass, I saw him dart from the, the corner and smart shot was just perfect. It just bounced. I mean, if it bounced to the right, JT makes it. And, you know, I, I my Twitter following takes a hit. But it, bounces, <laughs> it bounces to the left. Derek's right there. And, and I'm like, yeah, he got, he got that up. I mean, like, and, you know, I, I followed that along. I was looking for everything. I was looking for, for your call and you say, and we don't know. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. And then, and then uh, the, the national broadcast did the slow by slow. And then it was like, that's out of his hands. And Just enough. <laughs> what was yeah. that moment like for you, man? I mean, I know what it was like for me. Exhilarating. I, I was like, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in basketball. What did it feel like to make that play? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, I mean, I felt like I got it off. Um, as soon as it happened, but you never really know. Right. You know, like everybody was coming up to me and was like, did you get off? I'm like, yeah, I think so. And then like, it kind of was just silent in the gym for that little split second. Like everybody's looking up at the, uh, Jumbotron. Um, and then as soon as that first replay showed it, I got it off. Like, uh, just the team running to me and, um, just celebrating with me. And, uh, I mean, Tom was like, man, we, we lived to fight another day. Um, so at, at the moment, it was just crazy. Like, I don't really know how to really explain it. Um, just in the right place at the right time. And I was just happy that we got another game and we were kept fighting. So um, just celebrating with the teammates and um, just probably that little split second where everybody was just kind of looking up at the Jumbotron and something I'll, I'll always remember. So that's it for the Celtics starters who came on the podcast this season. But let's turn the clock back and bring on some champions. That's right. Let's turn it back to 2008. We had an episode with three of the players from that 08 championship team. Paul Pierce, Sam Cassell, who's now an assistant coach, and Eddie House, who is an analyst for NBC Sports Boston. They all came on together, and this podcast episode was all about stories. These guys were reliving the glory days back in the day, and what's the one thing that that team was known for? It was smack talk, and they were even talking smack during this episode, so you got to listen to this segment They're talking about how these guys used to rattle off all these jokes and smack talk throughout the games to each other on the practice court. And then on top of that, Sam Cassell tells an awesome story about after the championship was won, he hunted down the game ball from Cedric Maxwell and Glenn Big Baby Davis. He said he had to have that ball and he had to give it to one particular player on the team just a couple months down the line. From the moment that I got here, the best part of being at practices was just seeing you guys chirping. Like, yeah. <laughs> like exactly what just happened down there 14, 15 years later. You guys got to tell me, like, what is that all about? Like, how does that come out? What's some, what are some of the best stories that you remember of you, you guys getting into each other's ears, like, on the court, just competing amongst yourselves? Not even – we're not even talking about another color team out there. Right. I, got, I got a story. So, first time I ever met him was <laughs> just like that right there. Yeah. So, it, we was at, I was at the pump camp. He was a counselor. I was there. I'm working out late night. It's probably like 12, 12.30 at night. You and Jay Crow slide in, and I'm there with this dude, and we talking. I, I didn't know him from a can of paint. I just mm-hmm. knew who he was from Hooping Streets and Smith. Remember that magazine yeah, back in the day? I, <laughs> I knew him from that, but it's just who we are. You know, basketball is you got to talk a little shit. 
You know, it's, it's just part of it. And, you know, it's a respectful line that you mm-hmm. that, that you got to toe. You know, it's a you can cross the line with it or you can stay within the lines. And for the most part, we stay within the lines. We do talk crazy, but it's within the lines all with it's all in the spirit of the game, though. You know, to bring out the best, bring out competition. And if you could throw a guy off talking shit, doing it, and you get the dub, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the win. So it's just that's just the way it was. That's just the way it is, and it's been like that forever. I'm going to say this. Um, we all come from a culture to where we played in the streets growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what street that's basketball there, yep. was. You know, that was <laughs> when you went outside and you played a pickup game against random people you don't know, and it's a lot of just talking Grown going men. on. Right. Grown men talking like, young whippersnapper did this, or if you wasn't this. Everyone's that's, trying that's to be alpha, culture. That was right? the culture yeah. of outdoor playground basketball. Mm-hmm. And so we just brought that. We come from that, that culture, and, and so we just brought that to the hardwood, and that's just what we grew up on, and so that's why all of us was probably like that. It was sometimes in 08 um, when we'd be in the locker room before practice even start. And the first unit be talking mad cash shit to us. And, and like, <laughs> and Paul was like, y'all don't want it? Y'all don't want it? And, and we'd go back at him. We'd start talking trash back to him. And Doc would come down. We, now we get on the court. And before practice, Doc would come downstairs and hear us going back and forth at each other. I mean, just going back and forth. And Kev would say, Doc, man, let's get at it right now. And Doc, like, what, what you mean? Like, like five on you know, five, let's go. Let's five crack. on five, let's, let's just let's go. Get let's, let's get it cracking. And, and the whole head just take his practice plan, just tear it up and say, come on, eight-play game. We're going to go ten eight-play games. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like down, back, down, game, down, back, game, mm-hmm. game. We go that for, like, one hour. And when we won, when the second year won, it was a Ooh. damn parade around there. <laughs> it was a parade around there. We throwing towels. We throwing water bottles in the locker room. And, and Kevin and Paul coming there. Long and face. They long face. And they, they want to say that. We, we give him a hug. I said, give me a hug. Give me a hug, man. Mobutu. Give me a hug, Ted. They, they be hot. They be hot. But that's hot. the competition we had with each other. We knew that, if, like Eddie said, if we make them better by playing hard, and we knew what they was going to run. Like doctors always have a saying, in the playoff, we're not going to trick no one. They're going to know what our plays, we're going to know their plays. We knew they was going to run slice roll with Paul. How can we stop it? And Doc, that's the essence of a great team. When you know what a team running and you can't stop it, it's degrading to a team. Yeah. It's degrading. But them, the competition, man, and the, and the family atmosphere we had, man, that's why we all get together now that when you win a championship in any kind of professional sport, you will never lose that bond with each other. I don't care if it's football baseball, basketball. I don't know too much about hockey, but I'm just telling you the sports that I, I grew up with and knowing, like, like, these are my brothers for life. You know, these are my, anytime I see, I saw Leon Pole up there, these are my brothers. These are my Ubuntu brothers for life. Something happened to them, I hope nothing don't happen to them. I'll feel fucked up mm-hmm. inside because what we've been through as teammates meant so much to us. And when I got myself this championship ring, and I won two championships in Houston. I got that Celtics championship ring. Not a knock on the Houston championships. They was wonderful. But winning a championship ring in Boston with the Celtics, crazy. crazy. Remember how he chased the ball down? 
Tell us the story for the fans who don't know the story, because Max tells it all the time when he's sitting in the media room before a game, but I want to hear from your perspective. Well, at the end of the game... This is the championship game that you guys won. Game six, and... um. Big Baby had the ball. He just takes the ball and throws it sky high in the air. And he don't understand what having a championship ball <laughs> himself, man. He just He's a rookie. He don't understand. Big Baby but didn't understand? He, he don't understand having a game ball, a championship game ball, and winning with the Celtics. When he threw the ball in the air, I'm on the bench. I'm just running. And I'm just moving people it. around. Moving. And the ball bounce. And I'm chasing people, running on the court and everything. Play out players one. I'm just moving everybody. <laughs> the ball ended up to set your hand. He on the mic. I got the ball, ladies and gentlemen. And I went up to him and said, man, give me this goddamn ball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You need that. Uh, give you, me did much, you did too much work. Uh, I said, give me this ball. He did way I too know much work. I mean and meant. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I got it. Cuffed it. You know, so I was going to keep it for myself, but I knew it was Kevin Garnett, the first championship, and that was, my, that was my guy, you know. And I just gave it to him one day, just gave it to him. And I want it back, but he won't give it back to me. <laughs> he said, I want it back. Oh, that's a good one. You see that at KG's house when you go over there? Is that on I didn't know KG had it. I thought Sam had it all this year. Me too. <laughs> I, gave, I gave it to him. I gave no, it to I him. I didn't know. Not right away, but I gave yeah, it to him. Yeah. I just gave it to him. All right, if you are watching this on YouTube, you've probably scrolled through all of the episodes this season, and you've probably seen that one of our most viewed of the season was our episode with Namias Keita, the seven-foot center from Portugal. He is the very first player from Portugal to ever make it into the NBA and play a game, and this year he's played a lot of games for the Boston Celtics as a two-way player. He told stories about him growing up in Portugal, but this particular segment that we pulled for the greatest hits was when he talked about how he wound up in Utah State, of all places, from Portugal, and how he wound up actually being teammates with Danny Ainge's son, Crew Ainge, out in Utah. Well, that then, to me, begs the biggest question I have, which is, you grow up watching EuroLeague, largely, right? You, you're on that track. So not only do you choose to go to college, you go to college in Utah, (laughs) which to me, after growing up where we've just discussed you grew up, that's like going to Mars to do something. (laughs) I'm going to play, instead of being going pro in that natural wave with with Spain there in the EuroLeague, you're going to play college basketball in the U.S. in Utah. It's almost like you say, let me have the exact opposite experience I could possibly have. Uh, no, not really. It's, if you think about it, it makes sense what you're saying, but also, like, I got to put you in perspective, you know? Like, back in the day, like, uh, uh, I, I could have gone pro and played in Europe, but I, at the same time, I felt like it was a harder harder way to get to, to the NBA, and I felt like it wasn't really going to benefit me as much, you know? Like, I, I felt like I didn't have as much exposure over there. Um, I felt like the college route would be way better for me in terms of exposure for NBA teams, so I just... I just felt like it was it was a, if I had a right situation to go in college where I could play minutes and um, get get a good be in a good team, you know, I feel like I could have uh, I would be way 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 better positioned to come to the NBA. So 
I felt like it was that, and at the same time, the staff at Utah State really, really invested in me, recruited, went and went and checked out my family back in Portugal, and also I had a one 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 guy that went to school with my older sister playing on the team at Utah State too. So, so I literally had everything to go, everything, everything was going right the right way to go to Utah State, and it ended up working out great. So here I am. So I'm joking about the beaches, but traveling halfway around the world to leave your family at that age that had to be daunting were they behind you were they supportive of this idea or did you ever go back and forth or were you like you know what this is definitely my, this is me no obviously my family wanted me to stay closer than them um but they they kind of understood that uh there was a there was a good plan in mind like we had a good structure good good a good chemistry going going to do that so I felt like they was always on my side. Um, it was hard and tough because I wasn't able to go go home on big holidays or only one time a year, you know. But it is what it is, and I felt like it. Sometimes you got to make sacrifices for what you want, you know. And newsflash, it worked. Right <laughs> here, you are. Here you are. A few years later. Uh, but one thing that most people are not going to know is that this is kind of full circle for you, right? You're here with the Celtics, but when you arrived at Utah State. There was another tie to the Celtics that was there on the team with you, right? Crew Ainge, Correct. Danny Ainge's yeah. son, Correct. was playing for the team. What was that like to randomly kind of interact with him? And we know Crew, he's been around here for years. Uh, but just being able to meet him and kind of have that connection to the Celtics from the second you got to Utah State. Yeah, um, it's it's funny it come, how it comes out first full circle because uh, we we've always been we've always been connected from the moment I got there. Um, Crew's always been one of my good guys, and he always tried to help me, try to help me with what he knew about this this type of world, what, what was kind of needed for me to get there, you know. So it felt it felt like it was a really good situation for me. And look at us now; I'm pretty sure he put in word, you know. Yeah, and listen, I I heard from someone in the grapevine here in this building that when you got there, Crew sent a text message and said, "Hey." a first round pick just arrived. Like this <laughs> yeah, guy is an I'm NBA pretty, player. Yeah. And this was like right when you walked onto campus. How do you think you made that impression that long ago when, I mean, you weren't that long into playing basketball, right? Probably like seven, eight years at yeah. that point. Yeah. I feel like it was just, uh, maybe I think it was the way, the way I came in at practice or blocking shots. And yeah. Through, yeah. Through the I, walls, felt like, yeah. I felt like, uh, not a lot of people knew of me. I, I did. I wasn't like a, five-star recruit yep. three-star recruit whatever it was like I came from overseas like out of nowhere nobody really was expecting much out of me and all of a sudden I'm I'm out there like as a freshman and really playing really really solid minutes on a team that's playing really nicely mm-hmm. so I felt like that all of that helped did you ever see Danny at the games ever talk to him no 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 I, I I'd never seen him out there but I, I, I met him already all right yeah if you know Danny, he saw you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee I'm you that. Pretty sure. Young players don't shot blockers, they say are born, not made. Did you feel instinctively you had enough of a feel for the game that you were going to be a shot blocker right away or was that something in college once you got there? All right, I'm starting to see how the game is played. I'm starting to feel that I can become a shot blocker. Um, I wouldn't say I really was a shot blocker from an early age. I feel like I picked it up as I as I as I got more coordinated, as I got bigger and stronger, um, and I moved better on the court. 
Um, but I feel like the fundamentals of basketball, like I was able to play like different different positions growing up because I wasn't everybody caught up with me high wise and I had to be versatile defensively and a little bit offensively. So I feel like those are the things I'm I'm really good at. But the shot blocking it came it came with time and like getting reps. Um, I feel like once I got to college, um, the positioning, like the film, the study, the weight room, all of that helped me just to get get a lot better at it. And I feel like it, it's been with me ever since I got to college with that. Paul Pierce came on multiple episodes this season. You already saw the one where he came on with Eddie House and Sam Cassell. But this next one, we turn the clock back even farther. How about 1999? when him and Antoine Walker became teammates. And just a few short years later, after they were broken up, Pierce had to watch Antoine win a championship down in Miami. Was he jealous? No, no, no. He actually flew out to Chicago to party with Antoine all weekend long. So that's what we highlight in this segment. And then after that, Paul Pierce actually says, hey, listen, you might think that the Golden State Warriors were the team who started this three-point barrage and making this be a, a trend in the NBA. No. It was us. It was him and Antoine who were jacking up threes back in the early 2000s and setting the trend for the type of basketball that we see played across the NBA nowadays. So one of the things that I'm most interested about is particularly for you, Paul, because you guys come in a couple years apart. You're kind of growing with each other. You get to the conference finals and, you know, things are looking okay. And then Antoine gets traded just a, f- a couple short years later, you're seeing him on a contender playing with Shaq and mm-hmm. D Wade and Gary Payne and all these guys. What are you thinking when you're like, man, why can't I have that? No, you know, <laughs> like, honest, it had to be something along those lines. No, to be honest, to be honest, I was so happy for Twan. I had yeah. that opportunity because when they, I was going to some games during that run, mm. I was flying to Miami, <laughs> like going mm. to some games, ask them. And then mm. when they won it, I flew to Chicago. I didn't even go to my hotel, checked in, and met him at the restaurant. And congratulated That's him awesome. and we had dinner. I was so happy because I felt like I won too. You know what I'm saying? I was so happy for mm-hmm. him. It was just like, damn, man, I'm happy for him. I flew to Chicago. We partied that whole weekend. <laughs> uh, it, it was amazing because I felt like, you know, I was a part of that, you know, for some reason. Because, you know, that's how yeah. our relationship was. You know, I stay mm-hmm. in Miami. He let me use the car. Boom, <laughs> I go to some games. And uh, it, I, it was amazing feeling just mm-hmm. to see one of us get that because we wanted to do it together. Do we want to know what the party looked like that weekend? <laughs> there was a lot of bottles popped. <laughs> Did it feel to one after 02? Like, all right, we got this. This team is going to win a championship. We're there. Because, again, you don't know what you don't know when you're that age. When you get to game six of the conference finals, did it feel like, all right, we're on track here. We got this. Oh, without question. And and we felt like we was, we was right there. Um, but we knew when you look at who we lost to New Jersey, how good they was. I just think from top to bottom, roster-wise, they had a little bit more depth than us. We called Jason Kidd at the the prime of his career. No, playing. Um, you know, but you know what the funny thing about that? We beat them like three times during the regular season. In the regular season, so yep. I, I, I promise you, when we played New Jersey, I just knew we was going to the finals. Yeah, I, I thought we was too. And we was confident in that. I just think, you know, personnel-wise, from top to bottom, we just wasn't deep enough. I think they had, you know, they they probably went ten deep, where you know, with us we was probably more seven, and me and Paul had to play out our minds. We we couldn't afford to have a bad night. Um, and they also they, they to, spread it to your point bit. before. They also had some guys who had gone through that process before, right? Like you guys are just doing it. For it's the first our first time. run. Yeah, it's our mm-hmm. first playoff yeah. run. 
Well, you got to think. And then that team obviously went to the finals back-to-back, I mean, against the Lakers. So, I mean, so they, they it didn't like we lost to a team that wasn't the best team in the Eastern Conference. So we had to, we felt good about that. We felt like we were right there knocking on the door. Um, we knew the roster needed to change a little bit. Um, we had to get some guys around me and Paul that kind of fit our skill set. Um, and obviously they went in a different direction, which which was fine. Now, when you look back at it, the direction ended up turning to obviously Celtics winning, I mean, being a championship contender three, four years down the line. So they obviously it seemed like the, the right move, but that's where it was at. We needed to get a little bit more better, a little bit more deeper. Um, the teams that were on top had more depth than us. But this is my thing. We had two all-stars. Like, you know, it's hard for teams to get two all-stars, mm-hmm. perennial all-stars at the Especially time. Especially then. Especially then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just thought we should have built on that. I thought we needed a point guard who could knock down shots from long range. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll say, like, that's all we always talked about. That's yeah. all we need. I mean, I remember us talking about maybe we can get a guy like Gilbert Arenas or or it was another guard we was looking at or, or something. We If we felt like if we had to build on that, we could have won. I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, that was the model that back then. You got two all-stars. You add some good, solid pieces around You're that. You are in good shape. You were in good shape for a little while to be a contender in the Eastern Conference. So when it happened, what's going through your minds? Like when the trade, when Antoine got shipped out, like what's going through you guys' minds in that moment? I thought I was next. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I thought I was next. I felt like, you know, new ownership, new general manager – you know, you know, everybody like to put a stamp on, yeah. you know, their their time uh, with the team and make their own mark and not rely on the last regimen to fill in. Uh, so I just thought I thought I was next. And so it looked like they was cleaning house. Guys was getting traded left and right. You know, you trade a guy, all-star, a franchise guy. It's like, shoot, I, I look like I'm out of here, too. <laughs> well, I, th- I thought we was close. Um, you know, obviously, I was really upset about the trade and. Because I felt like after making that, you know, making a deep run, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, me and Paul had figured out we was at a premium of how we knew how to play with each other. We knew how to push each other. We felt like we was right there. Um, like he said, we could have added another guard maybe at the time. We felt like we could. That was the missing ingredient probably to get us over the hump. Um, but you know, it's Danny's first time being a GM. He comes in. I was upset. We wanted to stay together. He wanted to go in a different direction, and. You know, things like that happen. That's why I was so excited when I came back in 05 because I felt like it was like kind of like unfinished business. The roster had changed a little bit. Paul was still obviously the man on the team, but you had some other pieces around on a team that we didn't have when I was here. Um, so, you know, I thought that team should have stayed together, mm-hmm. even though I know we got upset it in the first round um, against the Pacers. But I thought a full season with that group, with training camp, with Doc and – I mean, because, I mean, what we what we win? We won like 13 in a row when I got here. Yeah, it was, like, it was an eight-game win streak, one loss, and then another bunch of wins afterwards. Here's yeah. what people forget about 05. And I got hurt. You got hurt. Yeah. The loss in 05 was to Indiana. The Pacers were the preseason favorite. They were a lower seed because that was the year of the brawl at the Palace. And they had everybody <laughs> suspended. That's why they dropped down. Celtics wow, at home I forgot court. about that. And the first, yep. it's funny. Well, that's, that's why we're all here, right? Because we don't. I don't know where my. I don't know where <laughs> that's my why car, you're here. No, here's what. Let me explain to you because you're not. Yeah. You know, when well, we get old, I don't know where my car keys are, but I remember the 0405. <laughs> like that's how it works. You know, that's what senility is. Uh, they have the brawl at the palace. So instead of winning 60 games and being the number one seed, they're the number five seed. Celtics mm-hmm. have but this great year, this great the finish. Playoffs. The Celtics are the four seed. 
and suddenly you have to play Indiana in the first round, and that series went. So that was a precursor to all the younger fans know the Boston Miami series with the road team wins. I think the road team won five of the seven games yeah. in the series. Mm-hmm. Well, right. you get kicked for, out in Indiana. For, yeah, I, get, I got kicked out. I mean, yep. that was, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what's so funny that we talk about Antoine Trey? It was a lot of people saying that we couldn't win with that style of play because yeah. we shot a lot of threes. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. They oh, said oh. they said we couldn't win. I think this Way is the time. time. This is the Godfather. Way ahead of your time. They said we couldn't win with that style of play. Yeah. Now we're in an era where that's the style. You of have play. to play that yeah. style. You have of play. to play that style. You got to have three point. I shooting. mean, we shot 30, 43s a game, and they was like, "You can't win that way." <laughs> yeah. Now look where we are. Twenty years later, you better show what, what did this minimum. man famously say when they said, "Why did you shoot so many threes? Because no four pointers. <laughs> they don't have fours. But I got to give our style. He got. I give it to Jim O'Brien. A lot of people yeah. don't give him a lot of credit for that. And um, but when Jim O'Brien took over, he basically gave me and Paul the green light. And he told me shoot ten a game. Yeah, you know that's I mean? the way they played down. That's the crazy thing about it. Our best offense was Paul posting up, me passing it into him, and. You either going to double Paul, you don't double him. That's a basket. At double him, I'm going to shoot the three. I mean, that was we our best play. We the court and we just drive and kick. That's what they do today, pick and roll. He's smart. I'm calling like Antoine with his fifth three of the game. Like he's just hit yeah. five home runs. Now guys hit five threes. It's like his fifth yes. three of the game. No big deal. Right. It was a game. That, yeah. Like when she came in here, she had a game early in that season when he made six threes and it was like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing ever. And now that's just like average day, average day at the ballpark. All right. All right. That's a wrap on our greatest hits episode of the season. But as I told you, the season is not over. We still have at least one more episode coming out next week. We are recording live from Encore Boston Harbor on Thursday, February 29th. We've got a prominent Celtics player coming on that podcast as a guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is, so you're going to have to tune in and find out who that is next week. And then we are hoping, fingers crossed, that we may have one more bonus episode, an epic bonus episode coming out sometime before the NBA playoffs arrive in April. So that's the plan for the rest of the season. But before I wrap today, I got to say on behalf of myself, Abby Chin and Sean Grandy and our producer, John Picard, we are so thankful for every single one of you for tuning in, for giving us a listen throughout the season. We wouldn't be here without you. So thank you very much. And we can't wait to see you next week.